This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. On today's episode, it's the second book in the Wraith Squadron story, Iron Fist, by Aaron Alston, book number six in the X-Wing series. The Wraiths are hot on the heels of Warlord Zinj and his Super Star Destroyer. It's a story of espionage and piracy, and a new member of the squad who's definitely more than she seems. I love this book. It's always been my favorite of the Wraith books, and I can't wait to dive into it. But first, it's listener question time, my favorite part of the show. I have two emails today. The first comes from listener Connor. Connor says, I love your show. Long-time listener, first-time caller, and all that. I vaguely remembered you from when you were on an episode of Davos Fingers, but didn't put two and two together until I saw your Star Wars... A Song of Ice and Fire comparisons in the Song of Madness tournament. As someone who is making their way through the Legends content, I value your opinions on each book. Questions. If you could take one Legends character and fit them into the Disney canon, or one canon character and fit them into Legends, who would they be and why? What are two characters that never interacted with one another you would like to see interact and why? And... Would you at any point consider doing a canon book? For example, I would love to hear your take on Lost Stars, which I feel is one of the strongest books in the Disney era. Well, thank you so much for your questions, Connor, and thank you very much for the nice words and enjoying my comparisons during the Song of Madness tournament. It was really fun, even if I did bite off a little more that I could chew, trying to come up with multiple comps for the same character. To your questions. The Legends character I would like to see in canon is definitely Talon Card. He'd fit in perfectly in the Star Wars underworld as a smuggler and information broker. Can't you see the Rebel Alliance or later members of the Resistance going to Card and paying for information about the Empire or the First Order? Or the other way around. We know Darth Vader worked with members of the underworld like Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt. I could see him paying card for information about hidden rebel cells. Similarly, you could put Dr. Chelly Lona Afra anywhere in Legends, except maybe during the Yuzongbong War, and she'd fit right in. I could see Afra popping up in the AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy in Legends, or in the Legends Bounty Hunter books, in the Callista stories, taking jobs for Black Sun, whatever. And she could take Black Chrysanthemum with her. Just not Triple Zero or BD-1. Personally, I'm not a fan of the droids in Afra's stories. Now, your second question. What characters would you like to see interact that have never interacted 
That's an easy one. Leia and Ahsoka Tano. I know everyone wants to see Luke and Ahsoka talking about Anakin. I do too. But I want Leia to be there for that conversation. Most people who want to see this conversation say they want Luke to tell Ahsoka how Anakin turned back to the light in the end. I've always wanted to see Ahsoka talk to the Skywalker twins about their mother, Padme. Leia says she remembers images of her mother, but do we even know if the Skywalker twins know who their mother actually is? I'd love to see Ahsoka talk to them about Padme, about her time in the Senate, and her relationship with Anakin, which we know that Ahsoka knows at least a little bit about. Finally, would I ever do a canon book on the podcast? Sure. I don't have any plans to do one right now, but I do read the canon books. I've definitely fallen behind, though, because I've been so busy reading the Legends books for this show. It won't be this year, Connor. My schedule is already set. Most likely, I'll finish the Legends books first and then start in on canon. But I haven't decided that for certain. If I ever do, I guess I'll have to change the name of the show. Thank you very much for the email, Connor. Our second email today comes from listener DJ. DJ says, I have only just recently found out about your show, and I've been loving it. I'm very new to Legends. I actually haven't even read any of the books or anything. And your show is where I've started. I've never been a fan of reading at all, but just listening to your show has intrigued me into getting into them. I plan to get the Kenobi and Darth Plagueis books. I'm a 2000s baby, so the prequels are my Star Wars, although I do love all the movies. And it's been an incredible journey with you learning about all the other stories from Legends. My question, if Lucasfilm were to create another trilogy, what time period would you like to see it set? Well, thank you so much for the kind words, DJ. I hope you enjoy every Legends book that you try. I've only read Kenobi once for this podcast, and it's easily one of my favorites in the Legends line. I wish I would have read it back when it was published in the mid-2000s. The prequel era is a fantastic era for Star Wars storytelling. I know a ton of folks that, for them, that's their era of Star Wars. Your question is an interesting one, because a trilogy of films would have to fit in in current canon, in my opinion. And while my favorite era of Star Wars is the time surrounding the original trilogy and just after, I don't know enough about all of the current canon stories in that era, and I wouldn't want to pick something that might contradict with those stories. Although, I guess you could make two more Han Solo movies, and that would be a trilogy that could work. I just wasn't a huge fan of that movie. It was okay. The easiest time period to put a trilogy would be during the Old Republic, but that's a little too far in the past for me, and I think that time period would probably work best in episodic television. That is a grand story that deserves some time to be told. So, give me a trilogy of movies set after the sequel trilogy. I may have some issues with those movies, but I did enjoy them, and... I loved the characters. Give me a story of Rey with Finn as her Padawan. And the two of them are redefining what the Jedi Order is. No council. 
no regressively strict rules. Just going back to what I think the Jedi should aspire to. Traveling the galaxy, helping people. And the stakes don't even have to be that high. It doesn't have to be for control of the galaxy. But there does have to be some sort of big bad. I admit that. Maybe a criminal organization? Or a group of dark side force users that aren't Sith, but have learned to use the force in a different way? Interesting. Thank you very much for the email, DJ. Now, if you would like to be like DJ or Connor and have a question read on the show, you can send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Or you can record yourself and email me an audio file. Just please use MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now it's time to get into today's book, X-Wing Iron Fist by Aaron Alston. Grab yourself a drink. Let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. The story begins in the aftermath of the Wraith's first mission, destroying Admiral Triggett and stopping his Mort project. But the Wraith suffered three casualties, and Commander Wedge Antilles is bringing in new members to fill out the squad. Kasten Don, a Coruscanti native and computer slicer who was a member of one of Coruscant's rebel cells during Imperial rule. Dia Pasek, a Twi'lek former slave dancer who killed her owner, stole an Imperial transport, and joined the Rebel Alliance. And Shala Nelprin, a member of New Republic Intelligence and hand-to-hand combat expert, who learned about Imperial intelligence from her father after he defected. Wedge has a new mission for the Wraiths. Try to predict what Zinj is planning. The Wraiths divide up into three groups, and while each group comes up with different ideas, all three predictions revolve around Zinj's superstar destroyer, Iron Fist. So, that becomes the mission objective. Go undercover, find Zinj, and track Iron Fist. The Wraiths enjoy a night on the town at one of the local bars. They're approached by a cyborg who attacks them, starting a bar brawl that ends up with the Wraiths getting arrested by New Republic police officers. But are they? Face Loran doesn't think so, noticing some of the subtle nonverbal cues the officers put off. He thinks it's a trap and signals his wingman, Ton Fanon. The two wait for an opportunity, signal the other wraiths, and escape, injuring and killing a few of the officers in the fighting. Later, during debriefing, Face learns he was right. They weren't military police, but some of Zinj's covert agents. Fainan recognizes one of the officers giving the debrief, Colonel Aton Repnus, the corrupt officer who tried to blackmail one of the wraiths, Tyria Sarkin, during her initial pilot training. Fainan, Face, and Kel Tainer decide to take Repnus down. They recruit Lara Notzel, the woman rescued from an escape pod when the wraiths destroyed Trigget's Star Destroyer. Lara is a survivor. Kidnapped from the planet Aldevi and taken as Trigget's concubine, she joins the New Republic military as a statistician. But the Wraiths want her to join the Starfighter Corps, go through basic flight training with Repnus, and allow herself to be recruited by the corrupt colonel in an order to expose him. 
Reluctantly, Lara agrees. But what the wraiths don't know is that this woman isn't Lara Notzel. She's Gara Petithel, former member of Imperial Intelligence who's trying to start her life over. The wraiths tell Lara slash Gara that if she can help expose Repnus, they'll convince Wedge to bring her into Wraith Squadron. The wraiths are soon sent to the Hallmod system, a world at the border of Imperial and Zinj-controlled space. Their mission is to pose as pirates and stage raids on the system, attacking merchant freighters in orbit and companies on the ground. Officially, Hallmod is an Imperial-held world, but the planetary government is already starting to work with Zinj, supplying him with goods and materiel from the resource-rich world. The wraiths pose as the Hawkbats, the name of the pirate group they helped defeat when posing as the crew of the Nightcaller in service to Admiral Triggett. Because of his acting background, Face serves as the leader of the Hawkbats, General Cargan. The Hawkbats use a reconditioned shipping transport for their flagship, but a squadron of X-Wings would be suspicious. The Hawkbats need new fighters. Kel leads a raid on the Imperial spaceport on Halmod, the group steals six TIE Interceptors, which, combined with the two TIE fighters they stole during the Trigget campaign, gives the Hawkbats an impressive fighter wing. On Coruscant, Lara does her best to be one of the worst pilots at Starfighter Academy that still has passing grades, and soon she catches Repnus's eye. The colonel offers Lara a deal. He'll make sure she passes and becomes a fighter pilot if she helps him steal an X-Wing that he intends to sell on the black market. Lara tells Repnus she'll think about it, and then sneaks into his quarters at night, slices into his computer, and sends all the information about Repnus's scheme to New Republic Intelligence. Repnus is arrested, Lara is given his X-Wing, and she gets transferred to Wraith Squadron. But Zinj has an excellent intelligence network of his own, he soon learns that Gara Petithel is alive and a part of the New Republic military. The warlord assumes she's undercover, working to take down the squadron that destroyed Trigget. Using the real Lara Natsal's brother, Zinj sends Gara a coded message to meet with one of his operatives on Aldevi. Lara slash Gara is shocked by the message, and she flees to what she thinks is an abandoned area of the hideout the wraiths are using to stage their raids as the Hawkbats. She starts crying, trying to figure out what she's going to do, when Men Donos passes by and finds her. It turns out Men has set up targets in that area of the hideout for target practice. Lara slash Gara shows Men the message. Thinking it might be a trap by a Zinge to capture Lara Notzel, Men and Wedge decide to send Lara to Aldevi, secretly accompanied by Men to confront Lara's brother. The wraiths are ordered to attack another Imperial airbase on Halmod, but what seems like a straightforward strafing mission completely goes sideways when Zinj and the Iron Fist arrive on planet. The wraiths, in the guise of the Hawkbats, are overwhelmed by superior numbers. In the chaos of the fighting, Fainan's tie is shot down. Face orders the rest of the Hawkbats to retreat while he lands to try to save his wingman. Face hides his interceptor in a lake and sneaks to the site where Fainan's tie went down and finds a pair of biker scouts searching the crash site. 
Face hears one of the scouts call in that it looks like the pilot escaped the crash, but there's evidence that he's been badly injured. Jumping them by surprise, Face shoots the scouts and takes one of their bikes to start searching. Face follows a nearby river and finds Fanon hiding along the shore about a kilometer downstream. The former doctor is indeed wounded, mortally wounded, and he knows it. But Face tries to rescue him. He loads Fanon onto the bike and continues walking it downstream, hoping to find a settlement. But the going is slow, and Fanon dies about a day later. On Aldevi, Lara slash Gara meets with the real Lara Notzel's brother and one of Zinja's men, Captain Todrin Rosick. The three meet out in the open in front of the Notzel family farm. Meanwhile, in the hills about a kilometer away, Man watches through the lens of his sniper rifle. Rosick tells Gara that Zinj is willing to bring her back into his employ. All he asks is that Gara continue undercover in Wraith Squadron and feed them information. As Gara stalls for time, Rosick receives a comm call. An Aldevan police patrol has spotted two X-Wings parked in the hills. Gara tells Rosick that one of the wraiths was ordered to accompany her to Aldevi. Change of plans then, Rosick says. He'll have his forces kill men, and Gara will come back with him. But Gara refuses, and secretly signals men on the hill. The sniper shoots Laranatzel's brother, killing him. Gara then grabs his dropped blaster and shoots a surprised Rosick. When she races back to men, she says that the men threatened to abduct her and the two flee, returning to the Hallmod system. Lara slash Gara decides to fully become Lara Notzel. Gara Petithel is no more. At Hallmod, Zinj offers the Hawkbats a deal. Join his fleet and make some money, or stage another raid on Hallmod and be destroyed. Wedge decides to take Zinj up on the offer. Face, disguised as General Cargan, and Kel and Dia, disguised as his security team, agree to meet with Zinj on Iron Fist. Kasten develops a computer program that will allow the New Republic to track the Superstar Destroyer and pleads with Wedge to allow him to accompany Face's group. Wedge refuses, but Kasten smuggles himself aboard Face's shuttle and sneaks aboard Iron Fist. He finds a computer terminal, but is caught trying to upload the program. Zinj questions Face about the saboteur. When Face denies knowing him, Zinj orders Face to kill the unconscious man. Trying to buy time, Face says he'll only kill for money. As he and Kel prepare to jump the stormtroopers that surround them, Dia strolls up to Zinj, takes the blaster from his hand, and shoots Kasten through the throat. When Face, Dia, and Kel board their shuttle and leave Iron Fist, Face and Kel are quiet. Dia defends her actions, saying Kasten was not unconscious. He was already dead. His body was rigged to look alive. Face and Kel think back and realize Dia was correct. The Hawkbats agree to join Zinja's forces and are soon ordered to help take part on a raid on the Kuit drive yards. Their objective? To steal a nearly complete Superstar Destroyer, the Razor's Kiss. 
Shala is sent in as the Hawkbat's combat specialist to assist Zinju's boarding party with defeating any technicians or guards they might encounter trying to take the ship. The rest of the Hawkbats will fly their ties in the Starfighter attack on the shipyard's security forces. Just before the raid, Wedge contacts Han Solo's task force, informing them about the mission. Shala and Zinju's commandos board the Razor's Kiss and take control. While the commandos begin the ship's pre-flight sequences, Shala secretly installs Kasten's tracker program. Shala then fakes an attack by a small group of guards and escapes on a TIE fighter. When Han Solo and the New Republic Task Force arrive, Face orders the Hawk Bats to attack Zinja's forces. Shala knocks out the shield generators on Razor's Kiss, while Piggy Sabinring does the same to Iron Fist. Han orders the New Republic forces to attack the defenseless Star Destroyers, focusing on stopping Razor's Kiss before it can power up. The fighting is fierce, but even Iron Fist isn't a match for all the ships under Han's command. The New Republic ships destroy Razor's Kiss before it can leave its dock, and then turn their attention on Iron Fist. They pummel the shieldless Super Star Destroyer, severely damaging it, but Zinj is able to jump to hyperspace and get away. The story ends with the wraiths gathered in the hospital bay on Han's flagship, Mon Ramonda. Face was injured in the fighting at Kuat and required major surgery. When they arrive in recovery, the wraiths find that Face has had his facial scar removed. The former actor tells the wraiths that Tan Fainan left him a message when he died, remove the scar, and let go of the guilt he's been carrying since he was a little boy. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about Iron Fist, my favorite book in the Wraith Squadron series. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thank you for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we talk about the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to recommend a book from Star Wars Canon. Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad tells the story of Imperial Lieutenant Aiden Versio. Tasked with finding and destroying what remains of Saul Guerrera's terrorist organization, Inferno Squad must infiltrate the partisans before they're discovered and eliminated. It's a tale of action and espionage. That's Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad by Christy Golden. Welcome back into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today I'm talking about X-Wing Iron Fist by Aaron Alston. As I said before the break, Iron Fist is my favorite book in the Wraith Squadron series, mainly because I think it puts the Wraiths in the best situation for them to succeed. In our previous episode of the podcast, I said that I wasn't as big a fan of the Wraiths as I was Rogue Squadron, mainly because the Wraiths are kind of that dirty dozen trope that I'm not the biggest fan of. Well, here we see the Wraiths morphing into what I think they do best, an undercover intelligence squadron, posing as the Hawkbats, staging 
fake raids that are actually real raids on the planet Halmod in order to get Warlord Zinja's attention. Infiltrating Iron Fist. Infiltrating Zinja's forces. This is right up my alley. I'm a huge fan of espionage stories. And when the rates are used as undercover special forces, that piques my interest. You've hooked me. But my favorite part about this book, and I mentioned it a little bit in the previous episode, is I think Aaron Alston does a tremendous job humanizing the wraiths. In the first book, we focus on Kel Tainer and Mendonos. In this book, we focus on Face Loran, Tan Fainan, their relationship, and then, of course, Laura Notzel slash Gara Petithel. What you have to remember about the wraiths are all of these people are broken to some degree. I mentioned in the previous episode, I would have liked to seen Mendonos go through some sort of counseling for his post-traumatic stress disorder. All of the wraiths could use some sort of counseling. All of them have issues that in most military settings would make them unfit for duty. But when it comes to the wraiths, they use those issues. They use their pain. They use the demons that are following them around to their benefit. It actually makes them a stronger squadron because of it. You root for Gara Petithel slash Lara Notzel. She realizes that she's been brainwashed basically her entire life by Imperial Intelligence, and she no longer wants to work for people like Zinge or Isain Isheart because these people are irredeemable. They're just terrible people who are out for power. So she does what she does best. She changes her identity, becoming someone new. Unfortunately, Gara Petithel is an anchor that weighs Laura down. She has a crisis of identity. In some points in the story, you think she might actually be going slightly insane. Like she doesn't know exactly who she is. Whether she's Laura or Gara or one of her previous identities when she was in the employ of Imperial Intelligence. When she finally denies Captain Rossick and she and Min return to the race, you cheer that she's finally broken free and she's going to become her own woman. Will she? We'll have to wait as the Wraith story continues in the next book. Personally, my favorite part of the book is also the saddest. For those of you that follow the Legends Lounge Twitter feed, you'll know that 
when I read the part where Ton Fanon dies, he and Face have the conversation, and Ton passes away while they're speaking. It's emotional. I tweeted it out. Just read that passage. If you know, you know. I think it's beautifully written. Alston knocks it out of the park. I'm not really an emotional reader, but the three or four pages leading up to Fanon's death, in my opinion, is the most beautifully written passage in the early Legends novels. In any of the Legends books, up until the prequel trilogy of movies came out. So anywhere between the late 70s up to 1999. It is my favorite passage written in any book. It's three or four pages long. Fanon and Face talk about mortality, talk about Fanon's regrets. They talk about Face's guilt from being a child actor in Imperial propaganda films. They talk about Fanon being angry about losing his humanity because he was allergic to Bacta. And when he was injured in an Imperial bombing of a hospital where he was working as a doctor, the only way to fix him was to replace parts of his body with Cybertronic parts. And since that day, how everyone looked at him more like a droid than a person. It's really emotional stuff. Fanon passes away while Face is talking to him. Face doesn't even realize that Ton dies. It happens at night. They're looking up at the stars. Fanon sees Iron Fist orbit the planet Halmod and tells Face, there it goes again. And Face starts talking about getting off the planet, getting Fanon fixed up, and attacking the Superstar Destroyer. And Ton doesn't answer. And when Face asks if Ton's still awake, and he still doesn't get an answer, Face knows what's happened. But he can't turn around and look at his friend. Until finally the speeder bike that Face had been hauling Ton's body around on comes floating past him. And he sees Ton staring up at the stars. His real eye closed, but his cyborg eye still open, still blinking red. And then it says that Face Loran cried for the first time since he was a boy. I think it's the most beautifully written passage in early Legends. And I really do think Aaron Alston is one of my two or three favorite Legends authors. His writing style just appeals to me. 
the finale of the book shows off all the best that the wraiths bring to the table. Shala, the former New Republic intelligence officer and hand-to-hand combat specialist, helps Zinja's forces infiltrate the new Superstar Destroyer, Razor's Kiss. She single-handedly takes out five or six technicians and guards on the group's way to the bridge. And she does it quietly so that no one else on the ship can be alerted. The Wraiths really have become better starfighter pilots. They're not at the rogues level when it comes to flying, but then again, no one is. All the best pilots in the New Republic are in the rogues. But the Wraiths really are an efficient fighter squadron. And they're just as good in their TIE fighters as they are in their X-Wings. Face, putting his acting skills to work again as General Cargan. Kel, using his demolition skills to help blow up the TIE fighter bunker on Hallmod. Wedge really has put together a cast of misfits who have become an indelible part of the New Republic military. And the Wraiths will absolutely be one of the key pieces to bringing down Warlord Zinj and the rest of the Imperial Remnant. Time to wrap up this episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Join me again on April 29th when I'll talk about the final Wraith Squadron book in the Warlord Zinj arc, Solo Command, also by Aaron Alston. It should be a good one. If you have a question or comment for the show, please send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or a tweet at legendslounge1. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get your voice on the show, just record a three to five minute audio file and email it to swlegendslounge at gmail.com. Feel free to give me your opinions on a book, a movie, TV show, whatever. I'd love to hear from you. Just remember, record it in MP3 or MP4 format, please. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. Remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.